2: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call
3: 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's do this fast. Your cousin. From Boston. (laughs) Sam Adams Summer Ale is brewed with a hint of citrus. Perfect for a hot summer day. Like this one. End a commercial. (laughs) It's peak tannin hours, dude. I'm out. Sam Adams Summer Ale. The Boston Beer Company. Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly.
4: All right, it's another film study. Uh, if Hopefully you're all caught up and you listened to us go through that really break down the defense yesterday. Today we're going to break down the offense. So, Ken McKusick, how are you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing good. You know, until I got your show notes a few minutes ago, I thought you were going to break down Ray Lewis on Dancing with the Stars this week. Yeah.
5: How, how cool was that? I just saw a little bit of video from it. it looks like Ray might have lost some weight.
4: <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're up on me. I didn't see anything of it. So you, so you know a little bit more than me, but uh, there was a little there's a little great.
5: video. They put a very attractive woman in front of him, and he's dancing a little bit in the background. I couldn't actually tell it was Ray Lewis because it's got like, kind of like a small Twitter video. Well, right,
4: there's, he's he's wearing purple. I saw I saw a little plea from him to for Raven fans to vote for him to stay on the show. I guess that's how the show works. I don't know. I've never seen it, but anyway, we're gonna focus on on the field, focus on the Ravens and the. This dominant offense that struggled a little bit more than we expected, but still put up really good numbers. And to have that conversation with us, we're welcoming Tim Jenkins, who you may know from YouTube. Uh, he has the channel Edgar Allen, where he breaks down film. Tim, how's it going?
6: Hey, Josh. I'm going. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
4: No problem. Now, are you prepared to talk Ray Lewis on Dancing with the Stars?
6: I'm, I'm unprepared.
4: All right. <laughs> All right. Then in that case, uh, Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit, kind of introduce yourself to our listeners first about I know I know your YouTube channel, I know you're pretty active over at Purple Flock. What got you into this and uh, and everything?
6: Well, I would, um, yeah, I would. I'm part of the message boards over at Purple Flock, and uh, I'd probably blame a guy over there for getting me onto the uh, YouTube. A guy uh, goes by the name of Joey Flex. Um, he suggested it when I was putting a couple of the GIF things up, and I just started, I guess about a year ago, putting up uh, Ravens, uh, Raven-centric uh, video, uh, doing my best to break the stuff down and um, learn a little bit about the game as I'm doing it, um, and just started from there.
4: All right, All that's right. great. All right, Ken, uh, let me hand it over to you guys to really dig into this offense. All right. Well, let's uh,
5: just take a minute, Tim, because I think the state of the division is close to as euphoric is not the right word to describe the division, but the for Ravens fans, it's about as close to uh, utopian as it could be with a 1-5 and record for the other three teams and the Ravens at 2-0. and What do you think about the other teams in the division right now?
6: Um. I'll tell you, I I got home and watched uh, second quarter, third quarter of the Browns last night and just watching Mayfield, he he looked uh, uh, a little unsettled to me, uh, certainly inaccurate and uh, I was surprised to see that. I was glad to see it, but a little surprised. Um, I like Chubb as a back, uh, but I was not overall that impressed with them um, as a unit. Maybe that's because they're not coming together just yet, I don't know. I thought uh, uh, Mayfield struggled uh, with f- four-man pressures and reading behind that pressure. Um, that was my impression from watching them last night.
5: That's definitely if if you can get four-man pressure with any kind of consistency, that's obviously the easiest way to win football games. We saw how much that that flustered Flacco over the years when he was in Baltimore, uh, particularly when Cincinnati, of all of, of the teams that the Ravens played most regularly, could do it. Uh, and then obviously a, a pretty regular problem for him. I was interested to see the Steelers go get Minka Fitzpatrick in a year where it looks like they could be drafting fairly high. Yeah, it's 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 just an odd trade to me. And I tell you what, I, I, we we're just commenting about this before the show. We're talking and talking a little bit about how this is going to progress. But I just find it very difficult to be on Twitter on days like this. I probably get asked 10 or 15 times a day at least. What should the Ravens trade for Jalen Ramsey? How are they going to get it done? And, you know, before that, it was Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And what I what the common thread running through this, it seems to be that people want to treat draft picks like they're Dave and Buster's tickets that come out of the machine
6: that you go and redeem for, you know, whistles and stuff. And, you know, that's not what they are. <laughs> right. Right. I, 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 You know, when they start talking about a one for Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, that that's probably a one for. Ramsey uh, and he he seems like a you know pretty pretty terrific player but just a ton of baggage with him and uh, I kind of like the direction the Ravens are you know of course it's tempting you know it's tempting to see that that caliber of player come here but there does does carry a certain risk and uh, it seems a a little bit far flung from the way that uh, DaCosta operates or the Ravens operate in general to me.
5: Yeah, it it doesn't make sense. And if you've looked at the last couple of drafts, where DeCosta had a big influence on the twenty eighteen draft, obviously, and he is the you know ultimately responsible for the twenty nineteen drafts and beyond, I I wouldn't know that I'd want to give away any draft pick. Look at what he's done with the draft picks he's had. I love and, it, and how well that has gone. Yeah,
6: I love it so far. I mean, I just really impressed the you know the Boykin even moving up to get Boykin, which seemed like a mm-hmm. head scratcher. You know, just. He really seems to have a a, a, a plan, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how he drafts and how he develops his football team.
5: All right. The Bengals, I think, are are too bad this year and too need of a broad upgrade to really consider. Now, they didn't play uh, that badly in the first week against Seattle. They gave them a pretty good game, and then they got beat pretty handily, though, by the 49ers, who are are probably not as bad as people think they are are probably not as much of a pushover as people think they are, but are also probably not at the top of the NFL either.
6: Yeah, there was there were some pretty terrible stats coming out of the uh, the Bengals game uh, versus the 49ers. They had 25 yards on the ground on 19 carries, uh, one drive that lasted 4 minutes, you know, only one mm-hmm. drive that lasted that long. Uh, 11, you know, just bad on defense, bad on offense. Uh, guys going down injured on the offensive line. So, um, you know, it's early, but it, that doesn't look good.
5: Yeah. I missed that. But who, who did go down for the Bengals on the offensive line?
6: Uh, Jordan, Michael Jordan, the kid out okay. of uh, Ohio state. And there was another guy that had a groin thing. I can't remember a starter though. Uh, okay. uh Andre Smith, the tackle. Okay. I, I don't know his status, but
5: all right. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Well, let's move on and, and talk a little bit about the Ravens offense. Cause that's what we want to focus on today. And I, I think, Everybody really wants to hear about Lamar Jackson, so let's give him what they want and talk about him first. Obviously it was a step back as a passing game for Lamar in this case. I have some stats I'm going to get to a little bit later on this, but I think the thing to be excited about, at least from my perspective, was how well he ran the ball and in particular what these runs did to reduce variance of the offense. Uh, and that was that was very much the 2018 formula to win was to have a dominating defense paired up with a low variance offense, was able to grind out a lot of first downs, maintain long drives, and not turn the ball over. Hopefully, and in 2018 they they had some fumbles, but they didn't lose too many of them. They have yet to turn the ball over this year. And the thing I love about Jackson's stats is he had eight of his 14 runs, and he had two kneels as well that that are in the stats, but they don't really count. Eight, eight of his 14 runs were between nine and 19 yards. Hmm. You're going to extend a lot of drives when you have that much success running the football. And you're going to do it in single first down increments, not in the big chunk plays that will uh, you know, obviously put you in situations where you're going to be giving up the ball again more quickly. Not that that's bad. It's great to go up the field in three plays once in a while. But it's also even better to go up the field in 19 plays when you can do that.
6: Yeah, there were several plays where you know that that his running just has to rip the heart out of the defense. C- certain conversions that he made on third down, um, that just you know only so many players are going to do that, and he's just he's just you know just a spectacular weapon. And I think I think if I was sort of holding out uh, an expectation, let's say that they would not run him as much. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> They ran him in the first quarter down uh, uh, near the goal line, I think, inside the 10, and he got whacked. So they're not they are not going to be shy about designed runs. I don't think he's going to run as much, but um, they're going to use him running the football. And um, I, <laughs> one of the runs that he made where he got the edge, oh, it was in the third quarter, I think. It was just amazing. I did he out round an angle? Um,
5: left the, side edge or right side?
6: Right side. Okay. I think it was uh, Swearinger coming right at, right at him.
5: He only had one decent run on the right side, and that was that nine-yard run that came up a yard short of a first down, but it was, it was a good one. The bulk of his runs were on that left side, where I thought they might have designed it, they might have realized it was going to happen, but it was the same move that kept beating Chandler Jones to the outside when he was engaged in a pass rush. And all of a sudden, you see the—I the, guess it would be a 270-degree spin move from Lamar to, to, to basically head out the back door. And uh, play after play, just like that. I thought Ronnie Stanley did a good job supporting that as well.
6: Yeah, there was there was a a series where um, Ronnie had a just a tremendous, uh, and maybe we can save this for the O line talk. But um, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, he just had a a tremendous uh, sort of fake uh, hinge block, (laughs) and uh, Lamar booted out like you said to the left side, Um, and it was right on the. Another thing that's really interesting is the way that the plays are being called. You're getting these different wrinkles from the exact same formation. Uh, there's, there are two plays exactly the same with Ricard coming from the slot. Uh, 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 Ingram runs, I think it's at least a 10-yard run uh, up C-gap. Uh, and then the very next play from the exact same formation is that boot. And uh, you see Ronnie come in, uh, kind of cover, cover slide in and cover C-gap, or B-gap rather and then does this beautiful fake hinge and then leads Lamar out. And uh, yeah, just really, really um, great play calling and uh, exciting stuff to watch.
5: Yeah, it really is exciting because that's they, we've had other guests on the show who have commented about that, both Michael Crawford and Ivan Evans when he's been on, comment about how you can have relatively few total sets of keys for the offensive lineman. Like maybe you can run it out of out of. I don't want to I don't want to give an exact number. Maybe there's 10, maybe there's 14, you know, different ways. And just have the skill position players add the window dressing to that that creates those differences in play calls. So you basically run out of the same same concepts. Right. All right. All right. So I, a little more about Lamar here. So we talked a little bit about his running, but again, his passing was the story of the week or or part of the a big part of the story for the week. He didn't have quite the air yards or the yak he had in that first game, but then he'll never have another game like that in his entire career. I think it's probably only a 25% chance he ever has a game as good. There's only been about seven since the merger that have been as good among the 158.3 perfect quarterback ratings. So the 11.3 yards per completion this week was 7.9 air yards and 3.5 yak. He did not throw a lot of yakable balls this week. The air yards are okay at 7.9 for his average completion is is pretty good. It's not at the very top of the league, but it's pretty good. Last week, it was 10.3 yards in the air and another 8.8 yards of yak. So that's not happening again. But uh, one thing I've been loving about what Lamar has been doing this year is he is throwing the ball past the sticks on a regular basis. So, so far this year, he's averaged throwing 1.6 yards past the sticks Per throw uh, on the year, and of course, with after years of Joe Flacco throwing short of the sticks, including on third down, which is not supposed to really, you know, be the primary option very often. We, we you know, it's it's very good to see. Part of that is just how few running back targets he's had. You know, they're not depending on the running back screen. He's finding Andrews, he's finding Sneed, and mostly he's he's, he's looking for Brown down the field.
6: Yeah, that has surprised me, um, the, the lack of targets to the running backs. I thought we would see that a little bit more, and perhaps that'll, that'll sort of blossom as, as the year goes on. Um, but part of that, are the, I think, is the route combinations and, and Lamar being extremely patient, uh, having a real, uh, uh, I think, a real uh, idea about where these routes are, where the coverage is. I think you're seeing him really leaps and bounds in, in how he reads coverages, Uh, and even how he's kind of manipulating a particular player, um, by design, uh, in the secondary with his arm, with his eyes, with his shoulders. Um, I'm also very impressed with his throws on the perimeter. You know, if you remember last year, you'd see these throws and, and there was no telling where the thing was going to go. Um, now he's just throwing with absolute confidence, falls right on the money, um, and uh, really, has looked good.
5: Yeah, I've, I've, I've liked that about it. And, and definitely going outside the numbers, you've got to expand that field and give the run game a little more room to work with, obviously, once they get to level two in particular. You know, the, the Ravens kind of lived off Gus Edwards' ability to make yards after first contact during their long winning streak in that second half. He had, uh, when he ran up the middle, he had approximately five yards after contact, and you know, that's unheard of number. It's not, it's not maintainable, obviously, at, at, at that level. But it's something that that really was special, and it was Lamar was a big part of the reason. But you know, they, in order for them to even come close to replicating that, they need to get Edwards more opportunities for the first contact in level two, where he has a reasonable chance to break a tackle and and get some long runs at it, or give him to Ingram or you know even Hill, who's also a fairly powerful runner that we've seen. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm uh, I'm very impressed also with the way he's thrown outside the numbers. Obviously, he he did he combined both of those elements that you just mentioned in terms of being able to manipulate a defensive back and throwing outside the numbers on that first touchdown pass to Andrews when he pump faked to Brown, then threw the ball right down the sideline to Andrews wide open because of that uh, you know abandoned coverage.
6: Beautiful, beautiful. They and and the other component there. You get the, uh, the, the orbit motion with, uh, with uh, Marquise. He's coming outside of Lamar in the back behind him. And uh, you, as you mentioned, Ken, he, he turns, Lamar turns his shoulder that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other component is Sneed runs that post uh, route, that deep post, which, which holds. Clears you. out. Yeah. And you see Mark Andrews uh, sort of run in an arc, kind of take an outward angle as if to be blocking for that bubble for that screen. And the you see the uh, the cornerback uh, try to get outside of him, which clears the inside for Mark, and Mark gets up that seam, and that's all she wrote.
5: Just, yeah, K- killer route combination all the way yep. around, honestly, on that one.
6: Yep. Yeah.
5: All right. I mean, it's, it's just, it is wonderful to be sitting here as a Ravens fan, not with any of the past five offensive coordinators or so going back to, well, going back to everyone, going back to Fassel probably, or, or, or even before then, but not having any of the past offensive coordinators where you knew a lot of what they were trying to do and a lot of what they were trying to do was dictated by what Flacco really wanted to do in terms of throwing the ball short. And I, I'm not, I don't mean to beat on Joe too much, but they, they have, they've had very little that was new other than the Kubiak period where they could really adapt well to what he offered, but I think that that Roman has done a fabulous job of using exactly what Lamar is good at to the maximum effect. In fact, that, that probably goes for a much broader set of offensive players. But we'll start with Lamar. In mm-hmm. terms of,
6: I, I think they're they're bringing a lot from teams like Oklahoma. I mean that that. Andrew's touchdown looked a lot like, a, uh, ex- almost exactly like a play I saw with Marquise Brown uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, it, it was a seam route that got the tight end got. It wasn't the uh, in the end zone, but um, exactly yeah. the same sort of motion. And um, the thing I like, it, it, to your point about the, the Flacco era, you would watch those route combinations, and guys would just go out and run um, a route, you know, there was never these options. There was never, um, running to grass and that you're seeing that more. You're seeing guys running to space. Um, uh, there was a nice sit down in week one where Marquis Marquise and Lamar were on the same page and it was beautiful where Lamar or rather Marquise sat down because of a deep off coverage right at the sticks uh, and got a first down. And it looked like he had a three-way read to me. It looked like, um, uh if if he was being pressed he could read the center center of the field and and run a post or or he could go uh, with a fade but uh he was being covered with off coverage sat it down and lamar saw the exact same thing and he hit him uh you're seeing uh specific defenders for other teams uh uh, targeted they're going to put them in a bind and run these smash concepts at them and uh, oftentimes there's three options off the smash concept you know that that lamar's reading so he's doing a wonderful job of uh, uh, reading all that, keeping up with that, uh, it's, re- it's really, truly remarkable.
5: I, I, I agree completely with that, and t- particularly in terms of the ability to target defenders even at three levels. In this game, uh, you know, Chandler Jones had a pretty good game in terms of pressure. In this game, it wasn't, it wasn't bad certainly. He, he definitely got movement. He, he twice flushed Lamar, which would have been a pressure in each case, except Lamar ran for more than ten yards both times. I think maybe once for. 11 and ones for 18 might've been 11 and 14, but anyway, you get the idea is that, is that no, you know, I would normally go through the offensive line scoring and give a, a, a negative two score to Ronnie Stanley on each of those plays, but Lamar bailed him out in each case. And I, and I, you know, he, he instead gets a zero on the play. So anyway, good stuff. And, uh, and, uh, really happy to see him manipulating players at all level. The thing that, that Lamar did to Minka Fitzpatrick in week one, I mean, there hasn't been a cornerback. I mean, first of all, Micah Fitzpatrick, I think, is a pretty good cornerback, but he had a historically bad game in Week One because they were able to isolate him in places where he shouldn't have been. Covering Marquise Brown deep is is one of those places, and uh, and it was it was it was just very nice to see them be able to take advantage of those one on one matchups they had and really go after the guy. I know we always feel like Ravens fans. Like, our weakest cornerback has always been the picked-on guy. It's certainly the case in Week 1 that Averett was out there. They picked on him mercilessly and didn't throw much at Humphrey. They certainly have not thrown much at Earl Thomas the entire season so far. But but you know, to, to be able to do that, not just play to your own team's strengths, but play to the other team's weaknesses is really nice. That's
6: right. Uh, it does speak to the game planning for, for the opponent, but also for s- scheme. And, and, and what I'm seeing uh, is... It isn't just a series to series where you, we see our coordinators making adjustment. They're doing it a play later, you know, two plays mm-hmm. later. You're seeing them take advantage of something, uh, the, an end crashing, uh, or or um, and they'll, they'll fold uh, Ricard out in front of uh, in front of Lamar because they noticed an end crashing um, following a pull. Um, and just yeah, I'm seeing play to play kind of game planning, and the and the guys keeping up. You know, you've got Mm -hmm. the players schematically being able to follow exactly how the coordinators are thinking. See, apparently seeing the same things, uh, you know, reading the same things on the same page. Um, So, uh, again, just really, really uh, refreshing, I think, change to to observe.
5: All right. that's outstanding stuff. Now I'm going to have to be looking for that. You know, when when did the coordinator adjust within a few plays, maybe even on the same drive or maybe the first play of the next drive kind of thing? what to something he saw i'm gonna to have to be looking for that um uh, do you want to pick a pass that you particularly liked in the game we you kind of detailed through the andrews pass already is there another one you'd, you'd like to talk about
6: yeah there was there was um it's another smash concept the the one down the sideline to to ingram uh i don't remember where that was in the game but um you see andrews uh running out uh he's kind of kind of looking like he's running a a deep route, sort of holds the safety, uh who's reading him, and then he runs an out. Uh and Ingram is running just a straight go. So they, they put that DB there, the 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 uh, the cornerback in a bind. Whether he's gonna come up and cover uh Andrews on that out, <laughs> or he's gonna stay with that deep route, which is the running back. Uh, what ends up happening is they he ends up biting along with the overhang defender on the flat or the out route in the flats to Andrews. And part of that, it wasn't just a bad play. Part of that, if, you, if we go back and watch it, is Lamar, he literally, again, just turns his shoulders to um, Andrews' side. And then uh, as he's throwing the football – at the last second, adjusts his arm angle. You can see this. Just it's almost as if he's. It's a no look, but he looks at the last second, and that ball mm-hmm. is on a rope between the safety uh, and that. And he gets the ball. Just fires that ball to Ingram before that safety can make it over. Uh, love that throw. Um,
5: is at 5, 543 of the second quarter for folks who want to look up on Game Pass or, you know, while you're listening to this at work or whatever, we encourage you to bring up NFL Game Pass and, and, uh, and look at these plays. We don't really encourage that at work, but we'll forgive you if you do. Yes. All right. All right. Outstanding. So I want to talk a little bit about ample time and space here. And this is something that, that we've talked about on the show before. But again, three second pocket. Is made available by the by the uh, line and with a 120 degree arc, 60 degrees to either side of the intended receiver, allowing the, the quarterback to step into the throw. The concept the concept of ample time and space and the standard of ample time and space has been reducing in frequency over the years. In fact, I, I started calculating it in 2010. And 50% was kind of the standard. The late Ravens did have a good offensive line at the time, but since then it's dropped significantly, and we're down to probably in the low 40s right now. So the ball's coming out quicker. Teams are doing more defensively to try and get that fast pressure. And uh, we're down to the, this last game, it was, well, first game was the 8 of 21 for 38%. This, this game was 46%, 18 of 39, which is actually, I think, a pretty good total for today. But anyway, based on those 18 of 39 ATS opportunities, Flacco's averages for 2010 through 2017 would have resulted in an expectation of 234 net yards on those dropbacks. Now, Lamar actually had 258, which is a plus 24. Now, I'm going to start with with what that really means, because he had 39 dropbacks on that leading plus 24. So that's 0.6 yards per throw better than expectation which actually is very good, but, uh, you know, maybe a 70th percentile game to to, to be that good. But after he had a plus 204 game in 21 throws, that's almost 10 yards per throw better than expected. We have completely lost the scale of what a good game is Hmm. for performing, you know, relative to the opportunity set. So very exciting to see Lamar back up his unbelievable game with a game that was still pretty good. And I know by, there are advanced metrics that say he didn't complete as many passes as he should have. He certainly didn't have as much yak um, as he might have had, but he also completed more throws with more air yards than a typical quarterback would. So uh, exciting to see him back up a, an unbelievably great game, one of the best in league history, with still a good game.
6: Yeah, I think... I think um... As far as the ample time in the pocket, um, I noticed, and I wanted to ask you about this, Ken. I noticed more, it seems more to me, uh, they're pulling Bozeman and pulling him into protection mm-hmm. um, with the back. so you're you're in, ending up sort of really, really protecting uh, uh, Lamar on the right side specifically. and uh, and you know that has a twofold effect because if a linebacker is reading uh, that guard, that pulling guard as a key, they're going to come down, but they've pulled, pulled Bozeman a ton in protection uh, that way this year. I, I did see once last week where they pulled Yonda, but um, how much is that? What sort of effect yeah. do you think that's having?
5: Uh, it's, it's, it looks like it's a positive thing. They pulled him four times in on passing plays in this game, just looking over my score sheet here. The big one was the 24-yard pass on the fifth play of the first drive of quarter two, the first full drive, and I do not have the target on that. I'm not looking at it. It was a 24-yard pass. I think it was the play before Ingram caught the 20-yard pass. So I'd have to go back and look who that was. I, if I had to bet, it's Andrews, but I don't know for sure. It
6: was Andrews. That was. Yep. All
5: right. So uh, there was that. And honestly, he it was incomplete all, all other three times that they rotated pr- protection. That's actually a fairly ancient concept for the Ravens, and the Ravens used to run it a lot when they ran unbalanced. They used to pull Grubs to the offside to provide a second offensive lineman on the side they'd left with one. So they'd, they'd run unbalanced, still pass out of it, but but revert effectively to a five five spread line, two to each side of the center to to uh, uh, by pulling. Mm-hmm. So. I got in some trouble with somebody on—I don't remember who I was talking to. I don't think it was you, but maybe maybe it was uh, about counting the polls over a period of time. And I was including polls that included on pass plays, and he wasn't. And that was the kind of the difference in definition. But it, it pays when we when when you have these discussions with people to talk definitionally first before you start making specific claims about you know what's happened. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe we should move on to the offensive line scoring. and, and Edgar, this is what. I really thought we'd have a great discussion about because I know this is something that you really enjoy and and uh, do, deal a lot with in your videos and whatnot. And uh, I thought we'd just talk through the players one at a time and and you know let's just have a back and forth on each one as we go. I'm gonna start with Ronnie Stanley, who um, he rebounded from a from a bad game one. He had a pair of holding penalties, one of them was kind of ticky tack against the Dolphins, but he scored very well in this game and he really only allowed one negative play as I scored it and I gave him a third of the sack by Peters where Bozeman got pretty badly run over but on that same play Stanley would have given up a pressure normally and he allowed the phone the pocket to be phone booth so I gave him a third of the sack on that play and Bozeman two thirds um just kind of along my lines that it usually takes more than one to get a sack in the NFL. Usually a couple of mistakes have to be made along the line, and you really have to put those together in shares to, to get a meaningful uh, result. Otherwise, I would mention the two flushes he allowed, which, which resulted in runs of 14 and 11. Uh, he made two beautiful extended level two blocks to lead runs of 18 and 11, uh, with the last one coming on Ingram's run. Uh-huh. at at, uh at the end of the game and and i think you mentioned you you noticed another uh, another block on that run if i recall
6: yes uh seth roberts really just a a stellar stellar job on that run just a key part of the game and uh, he comes from out he's lined up out wide uh, outside the numbers and just sprints to get that alley corner uh um and his guy the guy that's guarding him uh, comes over too late and gets sort of an arm tackle of Ingram that Re- Ingram runs through. But he clears that lane for Ingram to get through. It's Seth Roberts coming all the way from outside of the numbers uh, and getting on that alley. Everybody, you know, <laughs> it's a mosh pit at that point, right mm-hmm. on that side of the line anyway. But he gets that that end guy. Uh, and It's just pure effort. Really a fine, fine play by him.
5: All right. Outstanding stuff. Anything else? Any other notes about about Stanley in terms of his play in this game?
6: I I really every time I watched Stanley my the word that came to mind that he was battling I I just really felt like he played hard this game and and held up well out on the outside um I loved that sort of fake fake hinge block where he ends up leading that may be one of the runs you're talking about he ends up leading um uh, Lamar and um you know uh Ronnie's Ronnie is a good to very good tackle, and I think you're seeing a more um, athletic, uh, even more athletic version of him this year. And I, I'm curious to see how much he will be used in a pull uh, pulling role. Do you, do you remember mm-hmm. in the first week they they got him out there with uh, the center with Skura uh, and Justice Hill on the edge, and um, uh, so I didn't see him too much. Or or too much outside of that, but um,
5: yeah, no polls this week, just to just to let you know, we had six blocks in level two, which often is the equivalent. I don't call it the equivalent, but it's the mobility. Uh, contribution that a left tackle can make on a run that goes right. They have to get into level two quickly, and Stanley's one of the few left tackles in the game that really has the feet to do that. And I agree with you. I, we're seeing more mobility, I think, because he's not hurt this year. I mean, Is is one of the issues is that he's he's dealt through a lot of injury, and you know he's obviously last year was playing through pain and having to leave individual games multiple times. And I noticed that because there's breaks on my score sheet where mm-hmm. somebody else has to come in and Illuminor play a play or two here, play or two there. But just to be able to see him, you know, work without playing and work very effectively is uh, is great to see this
6: year. It is. Yep.
5: All right. Move on. We'll talk about Bradley Bozeman. Uh, Now he played a second straight game at left guard. So he's got the start. I don't think he's in any danger of losing it right away. Um, He converted 10 of 11 polls this year. Now, the Ravens are a right handed team. But as we're going to see a little bit later, they went to some left hand plays in terms of the pulls in this game. Yanda ended up pulling eight times. Bozeman pulled 11. You mentioned earlier, Tim, that that four of those were actually protection blocks. So seven of them were cases where he's leading a run play. Okay, and I believe that was the same total for Yanda. He might add one protection and seven where he's leading a run play. Bozeman now being 22 of 25 in pulls is just outstanding, though. Uh, it's it's exactly what they need from him kind of at the minimum to contribute at that left guard. I don't mean 22 out of 25. I mean the generalized ability to pull from left to right and not have that be a problem in terms of mobility, not have that be a problem in terms of getting a quick start on the play or not giving it away or all the things that go with that. And he's really come through. I mean, more than I would have reasonably expected. But, you know, he's a guy who had 230 scored snaps last year, you know, more than that, including penalties. So it's not he's not. Just starting out at the position,
6: right? Uh, I think you're dead on. I think you know, in terms of the guy at left guard that they like pulling, uh, they need a left guard who's going to pull, and he's the guy that they trust doing it right now. And as you said, he's pulling a lot, and and that 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 pull into protection uh, has been used, I think, pretty effectively because of the linebackers coming down. Uh, I think uh, you said that only one of those plays actually converted to anything, but but. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you do see the linebackers coming up on it. Um, so just the idea that he's pulling, um, but perhaps to what end, you know, is interesting to me. Uh, and I think he's been very, very uh, effective in that 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 crazy tandem with Ricard, Boyle, and he, mm-hmm. or any of the H types, just getting getting a. Out there on the edge and blocking, or out in front and blocking, and it's fun. It's fun to watch.
5: It's it's a very scary combination to have receivers as dangerous as the Ravens have with Brown and Boykin and Andrews, and then also have the incredible point of attack weapons that you just mentioned. I mean, Ricard is an unbelievable point of attack (laughs) weapon. He's he's the fullback that makes it worth having a fullback in the NFL. Everybody else runs out of eleven personnel, or a lot of the rest of the league does, and. Uh, you know the way they're using him in motion. I mean, there's a freight train moving across somewhere from left to right or from right to left, wherever he's coming from. Obviously, they they re-signed Boyle for some of those same reasons. He's a you know he's been been fabulous. Anyway, I'm loving the point of attack blocking, and I'm loving how defenses are torn in terms of their decision they have to make between committing additional resources to the box and and beating that point of attack blocking versus versus actually taking additional coverage value on some of these deep threats the ravens have
6: that's right i mean they will put the ravens will are just as apt to run it right at you with eight eight guys or a ninth near the line and they're, they're gonna hit you they're gonna come off they're gonna come right at you and hit you when they do but uh lamar being the x factor back there um and as you said you get single man coverage maybe with a guy high uh and they showed last week they're not afraid to uh that, that you know we can't not talk about that that throw uh, that third and eleven throw. Oh,
5: uh, no, talk about it now if you want. Uh,
6: I mean I mean th- that throw put me in the mind of a throw that Joe made in I think it was the fourth and twenty nine game to get him into field goal position, but not just, not just the uh, the accuracy of it this prob- this was probably a better ball. To me, than the one mm-hmm. Joe threw there, but just the guts of it, just the straight up. I'm going to my guy. He's got one on one coverage. I'm going to the sideline with it. And when you see that 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 uh, playback of that, and you slow it down and watch it, oh man, it's inches, inches between the mm-hmm. defender's arm and the and 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 Marquise grabbing that thing. Just yeah. Uh, just the guts, just the guts, and the and the, and the on point throw. Ooh, the, the
5: the thing I loved about it. I, I do love the throw and it was right on the money and he knew right where to throw it basically a yard and a half or so inbounds right down that right sideline, which is, by the way, is not a super easy target to hit, but he, but he, but he did it right. The, 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 the timing was right on the throw. It, it in fact, because it was fully thrown out there, it didn't give the receiver a chance to get a pass interference penalty, which would have been another option there. But what I liked about it was how Brown created a little additional space. Now he didn't get separation but he ran and 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 you can see him kind of pushing to the inside to at least maintain space from the sideline on that defender. And then when he had to, at the last moment, he took a different angle back to the sideline to adjust to the ball and catch it. But because he had created himself that a little bit of additional space, that may have been the difference in terms of that defender not being able to to get his hand on the ball or, or to intercede in some other way.
6: Great point. Did you did you notice? And I thought I noticed this, but I'm not sure. Did you notice if Marquise gave him just a little bit of forearm, right? I mean, really, really subtle right before the ball got there.
5: I'll, I'll take your word for it. I did not notice that. You know, I, I'm, I'm watching him basically. The, the angle I'm thinking of is the all 22. So the, it'd, be the, it'd be the end zone angle from behind uh, is the camera, as I recall it. Looking straight down the field and basically seeing him run not, basically parallel but a little bit removed from the sidelines until it's time for him to move to adjust to the ball at the last moment and then and then effectively created a little bit of additional space for himself with that with with that movement.
6: Right. Good. Good look. Yep.
5: All right. So anyway, uh, let's see what else we have. We were Bozeman. I just want to mention also he had a team high five pancakes in this game. He did get beaten for the sack by Corey Peters, and he got pretty well used on that. But he didn't have any other negative pass blocking events. So while that was something negative, I, I you know, it happens, and you're every so often going to give up a sack in the NFL. It's nice to not have other problems. The the missed blocks were his big problem in week one. He had ten missed blocks. Eight of those were losses at the line of scrimmage. Now, I'm much better when a player can't find a block on a pull, particularly if he gets to level two and he can't find a block on a pull, or he moves to level two and he can't find a block, or it's zone blocking somehow and he's a he's a tackle and the the, the play's completely going away from him and he can't really make an effective block. Those those are kind of the non-critical errors for alignment but when they get beat at the line of scrimmage they allow penetration they're giving up they're in the process of giving up a pressure but the ball is out quickly prior to the pressure taking impact those are more serious losses and those are things that can become problems but to see bozeman cut his miss blocks at the line of scrimmage from eight to two in this game so it's ten to four in total oh. miss blocks but eight to two in in uh in losses at the line of scrimmage i thought was really good
6: How similar was the way he got beat on that pressure, on that sack, to, I think he, was there one similar to it in week one? I can't recall, in the way that he was beat. Do you remember that?
5: Uh, I've got to pull out my sheet here, because I'll have it, and we'll have, the action verb is the key on our sheet, and before you're doing this, I've got a chance to actually be able to read it, because it was my handwriting, I wouldn't. So, let's see, he didn't get beat by too many pressures. Okay. He, he was unable to pick up blitz 55, is what I have from the Miami okay. game. So that was I think that was is it McKinney or McKinnon or something who, who is the the number 55 for the Dolphins? Uh, and I have one more, uh, bulled by 95. That's Godshow. And then another one where he had a half pressure. I don't think that's one, the one you're talking about, probably. So, uh, I, I'm simple answer is I'm not sure, but I yeah, I, I, I I know what you're 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 trying to see. Was there another one where he was just completely overwhelmed by somebody?
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah I have a vague recollection of it, but but I, I can't pinpoint which which play.
5: All right, all right. Well, anyway, B plus for Bozeman in the game. Let's let's move on here. We're we're obviously taking some time here, but we're enjoying this, and so it's nice to be able to take our time sometimes. Matt Skira, uh, kind of a difficult afternoon. Um, he was involved in four separate run plays where there was a loss and that includes the botched snap where he hit Andrews in the leg mm-hmm. on the motion. So I, I counted that as a minus two for a, for a, a, loss. Uh, very fortunately Yanda fell on the football and, uh, and you know, Yanda is, is good for that once or twice a year, but, uh, it's it's something that they're they're going to have to they're going to have to cut back on our, our problems with the snap. Skura has had some issues with the shotgun snap that PFF has been charging him for. In fact, we we couldn't figure out last week while his, why his score was so low, and I inquired with PFF, and they said, well, it's really botched snaps, and there were a couple of those, but they said well, they've already removed one, and his his score went well up from that. So it's a uh, it's it's interesting to see, and and uh, Skura. Uh, Otherwise, I didn't think he was terrible in this game. He did give up one pressure, I believe. And I'm going to confirm that I'm reading that correctly here. Uh, Yes, he gave up one pressure. And one weird play, otherwise, I wanted to mention. He was flagged for uh, ineligible man downfield on a pass play. And, you know, obviously, it's not that big a deal in terms of the penalty. It's a five-yard penalty. It does have option value with it, so it's worse than a false start. But here's what happened. It was a run-pass option. All three interior linemen, Bozeman, Sura and Yanda, were all three yards upfield. I don't know how they flagged Scura for it mm. as opposed to yeah, – it's like everybody's speeding. Why doesn't everybody <laughs> get a ticket kind of thing? Right. But but anyway, they, I, I split the charge for it to, uh, to all three equally. But the problem is more systemic than that. If the game is going to be called that close with the Ravens RPO concept, I think they're going to pick up more of these fouls, which is a bad thing because they can really ruin drives because they can – they give the defense the option of – you know, not 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 playing that play or accepting say, an complete pass on third down or, or even an interception.
6: Yeah, it, that's going to be interesting to watch to see if the, with like you said with the RPO if that comes to fruition. Uh, I, there were two really ge- I thought generally sloppy drives uh, in terms of the offensive line play. There, the um, toward the end of the first cor- or first half, uh, there was a drive where they had some procedural penalties, a hold, a sack, yeah. given up uh and then to start the second half there was a, a rough one perhaps that was a uh, hmm, second drive i think maybe second drive in the in the uh just some some um holding call uh and then there was a uh, uh stanley later on uh, lined up um uh, illegal illegally somehow after a big play yeah,
5: that wasn't him that was that was the receivers Brown and a, I think Brown and Stanley reached flag once for an illegal formation in this game, but in, e- in each case it was the receiver not lining up oh. properly. The the linemen were fine, but they were uncovered. Yeah, an illegal formation seventy nine on the last drive of the game. But yeah, you're right. I'm seeing the drives you're talking about. the the the, the, the end of the first half incredibly sloppy because it yeah. had holding penalty, sack, and then that that snap into Andrew's legs on three
6: consecutive plays. Yeah, awful, awful.
5: All right, well, let's move on if we're good with that. I gave Skura a D in this game for what it's worth, uh, uh, You know, given the score he had. Um, Marshall Yanda, I thought, had another fine game. He's The nice thing about Yanda is he always knows where his assignment is. He's good at, at moving quickly with that first step to get to his assignment. What was different about this game was they had Yanda pull eight times. And I meant to, before this show, look back and see, how long has it been since he's pulled eight times in a game? But they don't power run to the left often because there's two important reasons. One is Yanda's outstanding on the pivot and they want him there to to open the front gate, so to speak. But Orlando Brown is also their best point of attack push along the offensive line. And he's been very good at either hitting the scraping linebacker or getting that kick out appropriately on the other side or on the same side of, of that uh, uh, point of attack that they want on the on the power play, so I, I understand why they don't pull to the left as much. But Yanda at one time pulled an amazing amount, hmm. and uh, and to see him pull eight times in this game is uh, is taking me back a few years. Yeah, and the, I, the, the, I'm sorry, the game I always bring up to him is the wild card game at New England in 2009 when they won with a big first quarter.
6: Right.
5: Yanda pulled 19 times in that game and connected mm, on 15 yeah. of them.
6: Mm, mm. Yeah, the, the the two key ones in this game to me can or two of the key ones that third and one uh mm-hmm. down at the goal line you know again another mosh pit toward <laughs> all towards the towards the left side with all the pullers and all the the h-back coming down that way but it's yonda who pulls and ingram's extremely patient there and that's who he follows to get that that little little one and a half yards that we needed and seal the thing and um the, I think he pulls on that second and twelve, eleven yard run for Ingram as well. I think he pulls on that. Um, so those two, two fourth quarter runs, very, very key.
5: Um, yep, he pulled on that. Four of those last, four of those last six plays they had, he, he was pulling. But he was pulling. You're, you're absolutely right.
6: It's interesting that, that, that uh, you're seeing them using all four of those guys in polls. Skira, uh left guard left tackle, uh, right guard. You know, a little more, it seems. Um, so perhaps they will run a little bit more to the left side this year. Um, uh, probably with Hill, they, the way they did in the first week. Um, they need to get out on the perimeter a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, I think. And, and he's the guy to do it. Uh, he and Lamar, of course. But, um,
4: yeah.
5: Exciting again. Yanda and a uh, Orlando Brown will talk about now Orlando had the best game of his career in Week One. Uh, he took a big step back in this game, unfortunately. We know about the two holding calls. One of those actually became a sack. If you're going to hold somebody, go ahead and hold them. <laughs> and and you know you're, you're not once the flag is out, the flag is done. And Cassius Marsh was able to get his hand on Lamar's jersey and rip it. So there was fair fair amount of evidence for <laughs> that for a while, and eventually take him down for the sack. And that was late in the first quarter. Uh, I washed out Brownie's Brown's holding for scoring uh purposes because he got a minus six on the sack anyway which would have been the same charge for the hold but then he had another one he held Suggs and that negated the nine yard run by Hill to the right and and like most holds it probably wasn't necessary to stop the play I don't think Suggs would have gotten would have been able to catch Hill on the edge there but uh but it was kind of a bummer he did give up three and a half pressures in the game two of those were bull rushes by Suggs I don't know how Sugg scored on PFF this uh, this week, but I I thought he had a pretty good game personally. I know he didn't have a sack, but I thought he was effective. And Brown was uh, unfortunately the uh, recipient of some of that.
6: Yeah, I um I wonder. I I'm a little suspicious of Brown still, um, uh, particularly holding up against one on one in pass protection. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder how much the. Um, the uh, coaches trust him in that, you know, uh, a lot of times they're 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 rolling uh, uh, help to his side. Uh, and, if, you know, he's a young player, but. Um, uh, and last year he was a rookie, but you could see, you know, just big, heavy feet, <laughs> not great technique. And um, uh, my opinion, for whatever it's worth, was that he that the grades that he was given were from PFF mm-hmm. uh, seemed a little high to me. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for the guy I'm watching him, uh, and hoping that he improves. Um, but it's not when he gets one-on-one with the guy, it does not surprise me he's beaten, and unfortunately.
5: Yeah, I, I didn't, we've talked about this enough on the show that I, I, I feel, should feel bad about bringing this up again, but they finally charged Brown with this sack in this game. And for the longest time. I know they score this properly at PFF, where they'll give him a negative score on each of these plays that he's making a contribution to sacks. And I had seven of them last year, five one-thirds and two two two-thirds, including in that playoff game where he had both of the two two Mm two-thirds. And they kept tweeting out all these things that accentuated the fact that he had zero sacks by their system. Well, all that means is they're not really portioning out all the sack shares, unfortunately. So I was sad to see it. But I'm glad this should finally stop those sorts of tweets about Orlando Brown now that they've actually given him a sack on record. There we go. All right. James Hurst in for one jumbo formation, made his only block. So uh, uh, we don't really need to talk about him. (laughs) But uh, I'll tell you, we do need to talk about one thing about him, is that to make room for Troll for not for Troll, for Kennedy, they allowed Gregory Sinat to walk, and the Chiefs pick him up on Monday. So he's he is no longer a Raven. It's a big big loss. The Ravens picked up another guy for their practice squad who I've never heard of, a guard. But they are really naked now at left tackle in terms of, of what they would do if anything happened to Stanley. Hmm.
6: Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I guess they would be leaning on Hurst or um, perhaps McCurry. Um yeah, that's, let's keep our fingers crossed on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it probably would be Hurst. I think yeah,
5: another option would be moving Orlando Brown to left tackle, Orlando. which I think would just disrupt two positions. I, I'd rather have Hurst struggle at left tackle, which he's he's delivered on that, you know, many times over the years, uh, than, than have it be, uh, you know, a move that would potentially weaken two positions. So anyway. All right, outstanding. I knew we would enjoy that conversation. And just going through that with you and and – Talking offensive line, always a pleasure. Yes. Uh, Let's talk about other skill position players. And we have talked about some of this during this. So we'll skip Marquise Brown, who had, you know, another game with a fair number of targets here. We can't go the rest of the thing here without mentioning what kind of a historic year Mark Andrews is having, though, so far. And he's got 16 receptions now and 17 targets. Okay, for starters, that's outrageous. And, uh, you know, in and of itself, it's good. But when I noticed something very peculiar statistically, both Brown and Andrews are within thousandths of each other, but not exactly the same, with 12.94 yards per target this season. Oh. Now think about that. 12.94 yards per reception for a receiver is outstanding, but 12.94 yards per target is normally reserved for, for people in the high teens and even twenty. Yards per catch. It is a very rare number, and to put this in in uh, context, there's only been three Ravens receivers in their history who've ever reached 10 yards per reception, and those are Derek Alexander in 1996 with 10.27, Todd Heap in 2010 with 10.32. And do you want to take a guess, Tim, at who the who the number one is prior to, prior to this year? got me. Mark yep. Andrews 2018 at 11.04. Wow.
6: wow. That's
5: a great stat. Wow. So I mean 11.04 both those guys right now are 1.9 yards ahead of the pace. Now I know there's more 400 hitter hitters in April than there are at the end of the season. So I'm not pretending like they can keep this up necessarily for the whole year, but they're 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 running at a historic rate right now and they seem to be very favored targets and it'll be interesting to see what they can do.
6: Yeah, that that 2018 <laughs> Uh, reference about Mark that's that speaks there uh, he, he's he is uh, open seemingly uncoverable you know mm-hmm. uh, they know that he's throwing the football half the time and he, he just bodies guys um, when he has to there, there was a play right before the Ingram throw and that was the one where they pulled uh, Bozeman into protection and Skewer does – generally, skewer will do a pretty good job when he has to come over and, and, and cover uh, against a gap being spiked to either side on those pulls. But anyway, uh, I thought Lamar – on that particular play, we see Lamar step up into the pocket. I think he's working the pocket well, too, back to Lamar. But he steps up just a little bit for a little bit of pressure outside. He's, watch, he's watching for Nick Boyle behind the linebackers. And here comes Mark Andrews. Uh, and just uh, sits it down instead of running into coverage, and those two are starting to just know each other so well. Mm-hmm. And Mark Mark just puts his big old body right there in front of the safety coming down, and and Lamar puts it on him. Uh, so Lamar is watching Nick, and he has a really good idea about what what Mark Andrews yeah Mark Andrews is going to do. And it's amazing how quickly he comes off of Nick, and just hits just ball come, really quick release too by Lamar. Mm-hmm out and hits uh, hits um, mark uh yeah he just golly it just seems like he's just cannot be covered which seems strange for a guy that's it's <laughs> not extremely you know uh quick or any of that stuff you know but uh
5: i i think you're hitting on exactly the points though it's really a two-way rapport there because you you see andrews being able to body... First of all, Andrews sniffs out space as well as I've seen any tight end do for the Ravens ever, and that includes Todd Uh Heave. But, but, and and Shannon Sharp, for that matter. Shannon Sharp had that ability too. But his... he knows where 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 uh, Jackson wants to know. He's obviously he and Jackson have a great rapport in terms of where the ball should be. So if he's in the open, he wants it at head height, and if it's if he's if it's not in the open, he knows just how to cover up on that football and where Jackson is likely to deliver it. Uh, and, and he and does a great job of getting it. He hasn't had to go low for Jackson yet. Obviously, he's a he's a big target. That's what young quarterbacks love about tight ends is you get, you, you have a pretty wide catch radius to work with a lot of the time, but. Andrews bodying up and using that that, that basketball box out for the rebound kind of skills to to keep that defender away, not really being bothered by contact. I mean, obviously, we saw one of the key plays in the game, Marquise Brown, get completely ridden to the ground for no pass interference. And that's something I don't think Mark Andrews would have even noticed the guy on his back. (laughs) (laughs) He just caught the ball and, you know, maybe had yards after the catch.
6: Right, right. How much can do we need to get? Uh, Sneed involved. How much do we need to get Boykin involved going forward? Start start involving them more in the. Let's say Sneed. You know Boykin's still young, but uh, Sneed had one target, I think. One one reception, right. one target. Uh, well, he,
5: he had a huge play at Miami, so there was that. And he, and he, I think he might have been targeted a couple other times. I'm trying to remember because he did drop one ball, and you know, he another ball was called back by like penalty by the sideline, which was about Lamar's only dangerous throw of the day. Right. Okay. Uh, so, so he's he's been targeted a few times it's I don't think it's I don't think it's like they 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 don't want to cover him I think it's just a matter of there aren't enough resources to go around as it is so sneed is going to draw a lot of single coverage it should be an opportunity to to get to sneed and get yak throws to sneed whether they, some of these slants where he's only got man coverage and could beat it for a, for a big play or you know beat somebody over the top two like he did in Miami so yeah.
6: The, the other fellow that I noticed was open a fair amount was Hurst. If mm-hmm. you if you watch the tape, he's open. You know, he's running these routes. He's open. Uh, even on the the play we just talked about, where uh, he comes off of Boyle, that is Lamar comes off of Boyle and hits Andrews. You see Hurst running wide, pretty near wide open down the sideline. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just interesting that he's that. You know that like you said, there's not a ton of. There's a lot of receivers and how it gets distributed is a not the they...
5: good, good problem to have. And I, I yep. do think they'll get Boykin involved. You know, he was he's been one of the guys who hasn't been as secure with the football. But, you know, once they get him thrown open a few times and really using those physical gifts, he has the ability to high point that ball and, and be in single coverage with all the other things that are going on across the field. I think it's it's going to get good. The, they've tried route combinations that have freed up receivers using Brown's speed. And I think there, there, there will be more opportunities to do that and pairing him up with Boykin may be the way to get him really going at some point, whether that's, you know, this week or next week, uh, you know, to really get him a few catches and, and get on the board. They, they obviously were trying to do that during the preseason. Mm-hmm. They, they targeted him like crazy in those first, what first couple of games or the first, quarter of the second and third game I forget exactly which ones it was but it just had a ton of targets
6: yeah he he had one-on-one uh on the outside and Lamar went to him uh it looked like he had a, a step on the uh the DB and I'd like to have seen him kind of get on top of him uh and he doesn't he kind of runs with him continues to run with him instead of getting on top of the receiver there and I think it might have been an overthrow anyway but um he did have a nice, Boykin did have a nice catch on the sideline. I haven't gone back to watch it, but my, that was my uh, uh, inclination watching it live. Uh, do you remember that? Did Boykin uh, have a grab he on did, the sideline?
5: He, he had one catch, and I'm trying to remember where it was. And it's not on my score sheet here, so I have to go back and, and do this. I, I, I think we got to leave it for, for, for next time, but you're right okay. that uh, he did have one catch there. Um, I, I, we, we need to get our mailbag here, and we're a little bit behind on the show. So w- let's talk MVPs for this game in terms of, uh, you know, kind of do doing hockey stars from three to one. And I'll let you start if you want and, and give me your number three guy or do whatever you want.
6: Uh, I, I, whoa, it's a tough one. I'm going to go with the three that you have. A- a- Andrews, Jackson Brown, uh, uh, not Jackson Brown, the singer. Uh, Andrews, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put Jackson, <laughs> I'm going to start with Andrews. Let's go with Andrews first.
5: Okay, so Andrews is number one or number three? Number three. Okay, number three. Okay, so my guy my guy's Marquise Brown, number three. Uh, a lot of targets again this week. He's the only guy who's not consistently quote unquote catching the football Boykin has actually had some problems too, but Brown is 12 for 18 catching the football. And it's amazing that a 67% catch rate is really one of the lower ones mm. on this team. When you have Andrews catching, you know, 16 out of 17 balls, but Brown he's impacting other receivers and that I am absolutely loving. Obviously he made the big play in this game, made other plays early on to get dri- to get some of the initial drives going in that, including that first touchdown drive. But I am really loving the way he's impacting other routes and the, the general coverage scheme with his speed.
6: Uh, amen. There, there, he does this on the very first play of the game. Uh, Lamar out of the end zone. He runs this little drag and uh, pulls some of the coverage down underneath. And uh, right. Boyle does a nice job kind of sitting and turning out, and Lamar hits him on a strike there. So all those kind of under routes force somebody to come up or not. <laughs> you know, they don't come up. You know, they might just give him the ball.
5: It's just exciting to have weapons like that. You know, I've always kind of downplayed the need to have a number one receiver in a lot of ways or, or a pure burner. I mean, last year, honestly, they had John Brown, and he had similar speed to Marquise Brown. Not not quite as high end, not quite as devastating, but he was a speed guy and, and a similar receiver in a lot of ways in terms of his size. Jackson could do nothing with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it, – it, they just – They didn't have a rapport. He caught eight of 30 balls Jackson threw him in in his starts. So it didn't, it really just didn't work out. But, uh, but anyway, Marquise, completely different player. And uh, it's great to see that rapport between the two. How about your number two guy?
6: Um, I guess that would be Marquise. If I go Andrews three, that's Marquise second.
5: Okay. Can't argue with that. We're all, we're all saying the same guys. So uh, if Jackson and Andrews are the two, Jackson's my two, Andrews is my one. I think we've talked about him enough in the show that we can, we can sure. kind of move on from there. Josh, tell us what you got in the mailbag this week, because I know we've had a very interesting week around the NFL. Uh,
4: yes, and we, we addressed it on the last episode about the trade opportunities out there. So that is dominating the, uh, the mailbag, but I believe we already covered that on the last episode. So instead, I've uh, got a couple of questions. First one up is from Q who is wondering what's the deal with Moore lately that he's not in number one depth.
5: Okay. Uh, do, you, do you want to talk about Tim for a second? Uh, or
6: Go ahead, Ken. Take that.
5: Uh, okay. Well, i just say Moore's not getting as many plays as he did. The thing he brings, he brings a couple things to the Ravens, as I see it, on offense. But he only had seven snaps in this last game. Obviously, he's going to be pushed out some by Boykin and Brown. Brown is more, obviously, of a pure receiving threat, whereas Moore has a good bad ball radius, which I would have said before this year was very important to Lamar. But the other thing he gives him is a little bit better or a lot better than than Brown, actually run blocking capability uh, after, you know, in, in space. And so that's something that, that I think they want him for. They probably if if the year goes on and as injuries start to pile up, I'm sure more will, will get more playing time. But, you know, he's kind of been replaced in terms of of his functionality. Boykin is a big body, should be a good blocker. Uh, you know, Seth Roberts, you pointed out this game, you know, made a really great run block in this game. He got 27 snaps. So it's he's just there's other players ahead of him on the depth chart. Morris has been a tremendous special teams player. He's a g- very good receiver last year for the Ravens. But I think, you know, there are just other players here this year competing for time.
3: All
4: right, um, I, I'm going to do something new on the mailbag to close out the mailbag. I'm going to combine four people's questions because there's, <laughs> they're all looking forward to next week. So Minion Hunter, Jacob, Justin, and there was another person in here. I'm combining all your questions. Really, the question is, the offense looked a little plain and simple this past week. So are they? do you believe the Ravens are storing more in the tank to to open up against the Chiefs this weekend? And with that, uh, do you think we'll see many new plays? And do you, who do you think will be those breakout players in the offense? Justin believes it'll be Boinkin or Hill because of the shootout opportunity of this game. Uh, that should set you guys up to talk a little bit about next week.
5: Yeah, why don't you start this one, Tim, because I dominated that last question. Then I'll, I'll respond. Um,
6: I think I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that they that they haven't revealed yet. And I think I think it's ever evolving, uh, week to week, opponent to opponent, um, series to series, even. But I, I would say you're seeing um, it may not have the same visual flash, but there's a lot of sophisticated stuff already on tape. Um, but yeah, sure, I, I, I'll expect to see new wrinkles every week. Um, who would be a breakout guy? I don't know. I'd like to see the run game. I'd like to see the run game really start hitting. I would.
5: Okay, well, for, for the good of the show, I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to say if the Ravens get behind in this game, and it's Kansas City, so there's a good chance they're going to be behind at some point, that we're going to see more of opening it up with four zero one, meaning four receivers and, and one running back in the game. Uh, actually, probably – that those four wide receivers will include Andrews and they might include Hurst mm-hmm. in terms of getting them split, but but they're gonna they're gonna look at more of that. And I think when they have one running back in the game like that, we're gonna see more of Justice Hill. And I think he is a good possibility for a breakout player. The mention of Boykin is is very reasonable in terms of a breakout player uh, who we haven't really seen too much from. Um, I think it's less likely we're gonna start seeing a player like Roberts get a lot of targets. Uh, it, it, it could happen at some point when Lamar all of a sudden hits him three times on one drive and realizes, Hey, there's, there's, you know, a, a particular set of balls that I can trust him on. Uh, but, but I think that Hill and Boykin would be two good players to, to pick, to break out if the Ravens get behind in this ball game. Might, all right.
6: Might want to keep an eye out for some special teams, uh, <laughs> trick play type things. I think, uh, maybe on the kickoff, um, I don't know. Just a thought. Try to get the uh, get an extra possession. Maybe something a trick play. Uh, from, uh, so you're talking
4: right. about an onside kick. If some, some, extra extra
6: yeah, some sort of an extra. Well, yeah.
4: when you're when you're pulling off a, a trick special team play against the Dolphins, when you're dominating them already, mm-hmm. clearly when you need to win a game in a tough battle, those are always an option. Mm-hmm. Um, it's appeared on Sunday that Lamar, a lot of his deep balls were were going a little bit too far. Uh, is that something to be concerned about do we know what caused that is it just a misconnection it misrun running routes or just a little too amped up what do you think
5: I, I i'll start please you know follow on tim but uh you know you don't complete as many long balls as you do shorter balls and lamar had a astounding historic week in week one in terms of connecting on the deep ball Uh, He also had a couple of misses in week one where he overthrew an open Brown once on what was recalled by penalty. And another time that was just one of his three incompletes on the day. So, you know, I'm not surprised to see some incomplete passes. And I'm very thrilled that he hit the one that really mattered right on the money.
6: Yeah, he he missed a couple. He missed a couple sort of over over the linebackers in between the safety and the linebackers. Um, But Ken's right. I mean, just watching the uh, Mayfield game. You know, for two series, the guy missed three throws last night. And uh, Lamar is just dynamic, and uh, he's improving. I love the way that guy studies all the reports, you know, how he works with these guys. Um, and you also enjoy this great camaraderie. You know, there's so much that goes along with Lamar. Um, I, I I wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, a couple more misses. He's going to miss throws. and um, but, but as Ken said, there was just some spe- spectacular stuff. And he's gutsy. He's gutsy as a thrower of the football, too, so... Uh,
5: Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to want to respond to that because I saw a stat today that I thought was fantastic. He is near the bottom of the league in terms of aggressive throws. In fact, he's ninth best in the league for the fewest throws thrown with a defending player within one yard at 12.3%. And to me, that was fantastic. And at the top end of that, by the way, you know, Drew Brees is 8.3%, Mahomes 9.1%, Garoppolo after that. But so it is good quarterbacks that tend to be there. It oftentimes, it's the guys who are trailing in games, who are forced to hit into tight windows, like Ryan Fitzpatrick and uh, Deshaun Watson so far this year, Kyler Murray, who have these more aggressive throw profiles. And Fitzpatrick has 28% aggressive throws this year. Mm. But the, the, the point I'm making is that Lamar Jackson's interceptions aren't down by accident. He's making very good decisions. He's throwing his receivers open. He has the speed in receivers to throw those guys open. So they're helping too. And those aggressive throws being down is is a very cool stat uh, that Lamar has quietly accomplished with all the other very loud accomplishments.
6: Yeah, there's there's um, separation out there too. There's guys that he's hitting that are, are, are clear, and I wonder if that has an f- effect on it as well. Um, But, yeah, I can't think of too many dangerous throws. You mentioned the one to Snead in week one where he kind of threw it into triple. It looked like it was almost triple coverage there. It was tipped
5: up and Snead got it. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Yeah.
4: All right. uh, Well, that'll do it for the mailbag. Now continue to get your questions in as we will be uh, doing the Know Your Foe episode in just a couple of days to really look ahead to this Chiefs game on Sunday. Uh, Tim, tell me about your YouTube channel. Uh, the, it's
6: the channel's called Edgar Allen. Uh, Edgar A L L E N. Uh, it's really just for Ravens fans. It's a uh, something I like doing, just so all of us can kind of watch. You know, so all of us can watch these plays a little more closely. Um, and yeah, it's just for for uh, Ravens fans.
5: Okay, so I mean, what? Well done stuff. I just want to say there's several people out doing YouTube videos. and Co- Coach Evans is there. Edgar great. Allen is there. And I'm trying to think of the third one I, I meant to mention. Oh, Justin, Ingrid. who we had on the show. Ingrid yeah, videos, Ingrid. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. So All just right. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: No, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Is, yeah, there's great content over there on YouTube. You should be checking it out. Um, and, uh, Tim, thanks for joining us. Ken, what's going on over at FilmStudyRavens.com? Uh, you got the
5: usual stuff this week, three podcasts. This is the second of the three, the offense. We're going to do the Know Your Foe with a guy named Will Fight. Great name there, mm-hmm. uh, who, is, who is a Kansas City Chiefs expert. Tim, I can't even tell you how much we've enjoyed this. I knew this was going to be good based on the online discussion we've had about the offensive line and, and other elements. I just I, I didn't have any idea that it would be quite this good. We'd love to have you on again sometime later in the season talk about the offense we do this on a rotating basis, so we, but but you know the good ones we want to have back a second time. Let's
6: put it that way. I'm grateful, man. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All
4: right, guys. We'll talk later.